Wow, things are moving at lightning speed right now. In this upcoming episode, if you're interested in just calming the waters a little bit, being a lighthouse in a storm, you're going to love this upcoming episode. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? So first and foremost, I'm just gonna, you know, take a big, giant, deep breath. Ah, all right, so just a little calm, you know, serenity now, if you will. Uh, it's been crazy. It's a crazy day on the go here too. It's multiple closings on uh, doing some things, you know, purchasing a new property, just, you know, making sure everything goes in and always at the last second, there's always something that pops up, always. So I'm just trying to you know, I, I'm trying to keep myself calm during all this kind of turbulence. And that's what I'm trying to share with you, with you, everybody here, is you know what? Uh, I'm an investor alongside you, is I'm doing these kind of deals myself. And, you know, we go through, you know, the ups and the downs and a little bit of anxiety on closing and selling and all that kind of stuff. And we're just trying to, we, we just, some days we just got to try to get through it, if you will. Um, but that's what the theme of this upcoming podcast episode is. I have a, had a wonderful opportunity to sit down with a, a wonderful friend of mine, um, Erwin Zito. You've heard Erwin many times. If you're a subscriber to Erwin Zito's podcast, you've heard you know myself on there a few times. This was the episode that Erwin and I recorded back in you know November, November of 2022. And uh, I'm now sharing it on my podcast. So if you're not a subscriber to Irwin's I, a podcast, I highly encourage you to to check it out. It's the truth about real estate investing. So for Canadians, and I would encourage you to check out Irwin's podcast. It's one of the top ones in the country. And he has a wonderful, he does a wonderful job. And he also has a wonderful um, lineup of experts that come on there. It's, you know, it's one of the, the best in the country. And uh, this is the one that I just recently was on. And and here's the thing I share with this. Erwin is um, one of those guys that, honest to goodness, and I think at his conference, the uh, the MC uh, Joe shared a, a, a story which was so typical of Erwin. It's just like his Erwin's pulse never gets over a certain level, or whether he shows it or not. On the surface, Irwin honestly never breaks a sweat. The guy never gets rattled. He never gets flustered. It's just like, Irwin, your building is burning down. And he's going, Oh, okay. I guess we should get out. <laughs> and so, so he's just that. He's just one of those guys that you just can't help when you hang out and hang around Irwin. He's just calm. He's just he's he's that quintessential, you know the duck on the water. When you see it just floating around, you, you never know, maybe underneath the surface, the feet are just paddling like heck to just to, to get going. But he is just cool as a cucumber and very, very calm. So that's what we intended to do on this podcast was, you know, calm the waters a little bit. We dove into a lot of uh, heavy, deep, meaty topics and we dove into you know, what we're seeing out in the marketplace and lots of the shifts and changes and things like that. And obviously, if I'm on a podcast, I threw a few things about Alberta and Edmonton in there, if you will. But mostly we just had a wonderful conversation, two friends catching up and you had you have the opportunity of sitting on a fly in the wall and listening to a conversation. 
So that's the best way I would describe it. So you're going to love this one. Um, by all means, please leave some feedback, leave a review wherever you're listening to it. And if anybody needs a little bit of calm in the marketplace of what's going on, share it with somebody. Okay, gang, with all that being said, let's just jump right to it. Please help me welcome Mr. Erwin Zito. Hi, Russell. What's keeping you busy these days? Erwin. First and foremost, hang on a sec. Let me, let me move your hand over here. Let me touch you. You're real. You're like in person. Like we're, we're, we're talking. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a little computer monitor and we're talking Zoom here. You're, you're like a real human being and we're in the same, mm-hmm. the same space at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. It warms my heart to see you, my friend. Well, thanks for coming all this way out. Yeah. Uh, I came out just for this. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got some messages after the conference and also people were just asking about buying the recordings for the conference. And yeah. I had some people that missed, uh, for example, a client of mine, their nanny uh, was sick. So no one to take care of the kids at the miss. Yeah. They asked for the recording, like, you're my client, of course, I'm going to take care of you. But I was thinking, could you imagine, like, for example, like Jesse Itzler's presentation? Yeah. Could you imagine watching it on a screen no, versus was, what we experienced? It was... Um, do you mind if I have you ask you a few questions? I know you're the interviewer and sure. this is your show. I would I had some questions I want to ask you. But to, to, to riff off that for a second, that was one of the best presentations I've seen in a long time. It was very um, engaging, very dynamic. He had a DJ on stage and it's just, it was just, you know, people were, were moved by it and the stories and people felt something at it. And it mm-hmm. just reminded me, of why we have the, those conferences, why we deliver present, like, let's put it this way. His presentation was phenomenal. It wasn't anything brand new that nobody hasn't heard before. Mm-hmm. It was just presented. Well, the in DJ a, was different. It was 100% <laughs> presented in a different way with yeah, a different yeah. message by a different presenter that just really engaged an audience mm-hmm. into a, mm-hmm. into a, a masterful story. Mm-hmm. And people were just moved by it. Like that, that one, one young fellow that was trying to ask that question at the end. And he, he just couldn't even get it out because he was so emotional and so, so verklempt from, from yeah. everything. It was just, that's what a good, presentation from a stage has to do is mm-hmm. it has to move an audience and mm-hmm. that's what it did and i loved i love the conference and just watching people and watching the presenters and, and i told you in one of the breaks you were like the you know, don't take this the wrong way but you were the most improved that i've seen <laughs> and, and but the good news is that's not easy and the, and for you you'd be the first to say is it's very difficult and very fearful for you and I give you props for doing something extremely fearful and just leaning in and doing it anyways. Yeah, to me, yeah. that I find that more inspiring than somebody who's been doing it for 20 years and is a perf- polished professional, been doing it a thousand times. Mm-hmm. But that one person that's scared in their boots and is fearful of doing it and does it anyways is to me is more powerful than, mm-hmm. than, the, than the professional that mm-hmm. gets paid for it to fly mm-hmm. around the world to go do something. Right. So you put on a hell of an event, you guys did. You and Cherry both. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. How are you feeling? Tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's now Wednesday. So it's only a few days. So have you had the event. that post-event hangover? Uh, probably still in it right now. Yeah, right in it yeah. right now. But there's work to be done. So yeah. here I am. I was working yesterday too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we got Jesse because uh, uh, we knew he'd kill. We knew he'd kill. Yeah. Um, uh, from our experience now, like Grant was a bigger draw. Yep. Uh, but uh, I thought Jesse killed it. Yep. Yeah. And that was the consistent feedback we got. Uh, 
Hey, he just told a, he told a, a message that told him more of a message from the heart as opposed from the wallet. <laughs> right, if you think about it, like Grant, you know, mm-hmm. God bless Grant, love mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, <laughs> let's go money, 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 mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesse was all about that, but it was also about, you know, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. the way he did the pointing at the hand and he was just grounding the audience to, mm-hmm. you know, the money you make versus the lifestyle you live. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. it just, it's just brilliant. Like if you just watch a master of just the way he commanded the room and uh, I thought the the DJ was a cool thing too. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah I was pretty happy with everything. Yeah. So you you took what? How long? When did you have the idea to to bring this out again? You so let's back it up. This is um, I'm taking over Darwin's show here for this is the the truth about real estate investing featuring Russell Westcott interviewing Erwin <laughs> Zito today. Um. So you you did the event in 2019. Mm-hmm which was the last time I was on an airplane, was to come Crazy, here eh? three years ago. Yeah. And you guys had a commitment to do one in 2020, wasn't it? You made a commitment right away at that time. Was Not it? right away. It, it was, was it was like a, a few weeks after. A few weeks after. Yeah. So you were committed to do 2020 and then something happened. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Not, nothing's really, we just got lazy. Yeah. T- took was the, Jesse the person off. that you had planned at that time? Do you know, or do you don't know who you had? We actually had offers on some other folks. Okay. Um, and uh, they didn't work. Uh, we had Jesse picked as well yep. um, because we've seen him speak. Uh, Cherry took his program. Uh, I loved his books. Yep. Um, yeah, so pretty quickly we had we had Jesse signed. Yep. So thank God we signed him back then Yes. because his price tag went up a lot. Has it gone up? Well, there you <laughs> yeah. go. So you, you, you made kind like of a... Grant's pivot. price tag is, has multiplied. Oh, really? Yeah. So then you, you pivoted and said, okay, we have to postpone this. And then did you... Were you going to just kind of wait? You were going to wait until 2021? Or when did you finally commit that we're going to, okay, we're doing this in 2022? I think at the beginning of this year is when, beginning we, of this when year. we set the date for November. And then you even, what did you say from stage that you guys had bought? We bought insurance. Bought insurance, cancellation yeah. insurance. Yeah, because right? who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, right? agreed. And and then we're talking had, about mask mandates here now. And then you essentially had to, you know, the whole cycle of putting on an event of that size, oh, for yeah. marketing, everything. You had to probably part businesses for a while and i think was it you or I, I heard something that you'd said that maybe you had even sold some or you oh you pulled some money out of the stock market mm-hmm. out of some out of a, some funds that you had mm-hmm. to earmark it over to this event because it's all front loaded these events are yeah. typically you pay up front yeah. for a lot of this and you don't get any of the revenue starting coming in until some tickets start coming in and yeah. it's more of the last minute and then even if you have an offer or two or things like that it usually doesn't come in until post event yeah cuz so you don't know what how the results are going to be for probably another 6 months accurate sure. accurate so anyone who's looking to do an event yeah. like understand that that is the truth about running an event yeah like chair netting it paid yeah uh like we're just working for free to yeah. put on the event all, we have all these staff that we have to allocate towards running the conference, which is like a business. Yeah. Right. So very expensive. It, it is very expensive to right. run an event. And then yeah. for someone to flyer the cars in, in the parking lot afterwards <laughs> and not speak to us and not contribute anything towards wow. the conference. And, and also what they're flyering was competing directly with the sponsors that were inside the room. Yeah. Right. That's bad taste. Yeah. Right. They didn't put any money up. Right. So My sponsors I, did. <laughs> I agree. It's, you, you learn a lot, don't you? You learn a lot about people. So, learn a lot about people in general whenever yeah. you're doing business. Yeah. So now we're what 48 hours post event kind of thing. After every event, uh, how are you feeling about it? 
<laughs> like always, could have done better. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's tough. It's a tough hand that we've been dealt, though. We're in the middle of a recession now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not technically, but I feel it. I see it. Uh, I see it with our real estate uh, clients, for example. Uh, anyone look, can look at the, the markets, yep. stock, crypto, whatever. Everything's down. Yep. Right. So people are definitely not comfortable with where things are. Yeah. And then there was a little crypto announcement or something <laughs> yeah. this, this this past week of something too. Yeah. I don't bankruptcy. follow this. I'm just I just sit there and I go, anybody who's in that space, I go, please try to explain it to me. Now remember, I'm just a simple farm boy from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy some of that oh, stuff. Oh, it's absolutely insane. Like, this is like our 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 Enron. This is the Enron of our generation. Yeah. Right. But it's just it's just ridiculous. Well, Thankfully, a lot of Canadians were insulated though because yeah. it was only available to Americans. Okay, good. To, to be on that exchange. But wasn't there something about the Ontario teachers' pension that had something in there? That yeah, I, they're gonna have some explaining to do. Yeah, like how how they chose that as an investment. Right. And that's actually a good lesson for anybody. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm seeing it myself. Like that, like what we're talking about here with the Ontario with the Ontario teachers making like they put up like I think they lost like 90 million. That's what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. But how did you choose that investment? But I'm seeing the same among small investors who are losing money, going bankrupt. And uh, like I said, I look at the deals that they do, I dig into them. Like I, I reviewed two that were specifically in Hamilton of a company that went bankrupt. And like, I would never have touched these deals. Yeah. Even even during the biggest run up at the yeah. same time, it's just... So, so I was, I found it quite funny. Now, now it makes sense why Tom Brady has gone back to work, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw his, a recent interview. He mentioned he wants to play in the CFL. Oh, <laughs> when he's retired from the NFL, yeah, like one day he won't be good enough for the NFL. Yeah. But what, what's next, right? Yeah. If you need to work, what's next for a football player? Actually, no, he could have lots of careers. He can work in sports casting, whatever, oh, maybe coaching. He, but he, he mentioned he liked to play in the CFL. Well, what is he like? Forty two, forty three, or isn't he even older or something? Like, like he's still performing at an incredible. I know, but if. You can't go forever. You want to be hit by a linebacker in the yeah. CFL? Yeah. I know it's not an NFL linebacker, but I'm pretty sure they hit pretty hard in Canada too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting on uh, one of their presenters, uh, Derek Foster. I, I really had a really good conversation with Derek. I met him. Mm-hmm. He's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Like he's just salt. He's Canadian. Yeah. He's just a salt of the earth, kind of yeah. a Canadian kind of guy. Overly humble. <laughs> it was crazy. Like comes out in a plaid shirt and khakis. Yeah. And, and it's just yeah. like. And, he just, just needs a raccoon hat. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> he just needs Tim Hortons. <laughs> so, yeah. he's just, he's, so we had a wonderful conversation and we were just saying, you know, like, you know, we're kind of in the world of. Let's call it the advice world in some respect, content creator, investment, whether it's real estate or stock or, you know, things like that. And he said, what other, you know, if we were professional sports players, it goes, our careers would have been probably done. You know, your shelf life is until you're 28, maybe 30, maybe 32, maybe mid thirties. He goes, what other profession than investing do you have more value the older you get? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like Warren he, Buffett. Warren, yeah. he said he, the analogy is was that Warren Buffett's what 92 and he's probably a better investor now than he was when he was in his 50s and the more experience you have you can just draw upon that experience when you're doing your investment or also draw upon that experience when you're giving your advice to people that you're coaching or sharing mm-hmm. or creating content for and I just find as I get older in this business, I just see more patterns mm-hmm. repeating and coming around. And that pattern that you told me about deals on paper looked 
terrible. Mm. I, I've, I've seen that. I, honestly, I saw all those kind of things happen in 2006, 2007, 2008 on the prairies. Mm -hmm. I saw those kind of things. And, and at the time, I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody that they did a bad job. I did the same thing. I, I, one of the biggest mistakes I made in my investing was during a peak of a market. And now I can only use hindsight to tell me it was a peak, but the signs were there. No different than the signs were coming here in Ontario. It needed a correction. The signs were there that I doubled down. As a matter of fact, I probably bought another 40 or 60 places at a peak of a marketplace in Alberta. As opposed to what I should have been doing is I should have been pulling the chips off the table in Alberta mm -hmm. and moving that money into British Columbia again and in Ontario again, as opposed to doubling down at a peak. So then fast forward to what I started seeing happening in 2020, 2021. In 2021, February 2020, I actually have the post that I have and I've now released it to the public, but to my inner circle coaching clients, my inner circle uh, members, I put a post out and I said, guys, I'm starting to get a little nervous and I'm getting my, my spidey senses are tingling about Ontario and British Columbia. The prices are starting to go faster than the fundamentals. It's outstripping the fundamentals. I put it on everybody on, on awareness, be aware. And then as it continued going and it got even worse, um, I, especially with my personal coaching clients, I advise them very strongly. Now they do what they, I, I can only lead them to the, to my insight and my aunt to what I believe is happening. They have to take their own actions. I don't ever mandate to anybody because I always want part of my style is you need to come up with your own decision. You need to kind of take accountability and ownership to your own decision. And whatever you, once you decide, I'll support you on your decision and I will tell you if I think you're going down the wrong path, but you still have to make your own decisions. I'll never tell somebody that you need to do this. It's something they have to do in their own. But I strongly encourage a lot of my coaching clients, British Columbia, Ontario, start selling your dog properties. Take the 80-20 rule, the 20% of your properties that causes the 80% of your most of your problems, divest, sell it, get into cash and take a look at Alberta again. And many of my clients did that. And you know, some of them kept a few, some of them still doubled down and bought a few more flips and things like that. But I started warning people in February, 2021 to start pulling out of a few frothy markets to go into the next up and coming market. And, and the only reason I could tell people to do that, because I lived through it by doing it, by doing the opposite and making the mistake in 2006, seven and eight. And that's just experience and being in the game long enough and <laughs> being able to survive long enough to be able to pass that information on to the next, mm -hmm. the next investors. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of people, like, we just chatted about this before. There's lots of people out there right now that have only been in one market straight up and 0% interest. And it, it caused, like, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm extremely happy that a lot of people made a lot of money in a very short period of time. Um, but now they're starting to see the other side of it a little bit too. And some people are getting worried and some people got over leveraged and, and there's the old saying out there is, um, well, what is it? I may get it wrong, but you know, oh, timing the market versus, versus time in the market. Um, I 100% agree. And also sometimes memes are like bikini bathing suits, right? What they reveal is exciting, but what they cover up is vital. And, and here's what I mean. It's an old, an old economics joke, but here's what I mean. 
If you ask somebody if timing the market is important, if somebody bought a place in February of 2022 in Eastern Canada, and they're now sitting here at late 2022 out here in Eastern Canada, do you think that the time that they bought the property was, was of interest to them? Absolutely. So I believe those two things don't need to be mutually exclusive. 100% time in the market, play the long game, be in it for a long term. But if you bought that asset today, the same place that you bought in February of 2022 and you bought it in November of 2022, you arguably could have got it a couple hundred thousand dollars cheaper now. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big difference in that short period of time. And if it made sense at that time, at that price, it would make even more sense now. So timing does, it does matter. Now you'll never get it perfect and it's a fool's game, but it certainly does make a difference if buying during a peak versus a, a bottom yeah. in the market. Yeah, we're buying for like 30% off what yeah. it was in February now. Yeah. And, and I had some conversations with people and they're going, well, is it going to keep going down? I said, you know, I don't know. I, maybe. Yeah, and, not and much we'll, more. And we'll get into it and we'll get in. We can talk more about that. But, but then here's the conversation I said with them. I said the following is, what do you believe it's going to do? And they go, well, I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. I go, well, really, what do you think it's going to do? And some people come back and say, well, it's probably going to drop another 20 or 30%. I said, okay. So here's what I would suggest you do. Factor that in to an offer you're going to make on your place and let the seller tell you if the, if the market's going to come down or not. Most times they'll probably tell you to pound sand. They probably won't sell it for that. Most times you might get one, but at the end of the day is if you believe it's going down, factor that into your purchase prices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, but don't be surprised if you don't buy a lot too, because, mm -hmm. because what we're seeing it's but now we're talking mainly Ontario here is, um, and you know the numbers better than I do, but I pay attention, is we're seeing an awful lot of people sit there, they listed their place, oh, not gonna get it, contracts have expired, um, they just pull it off the market, well, we just won't sell it, we'll just, yeah. we'll just hang on, we'll wait yeah. for a new thing. And and listings are at an all-time low right now, they're they're as low as they were like in 2008 or, or something ridiculous yeah, too. Because if you're not motivated, why would you sell in this yeah, market? So, so people are sitting there going, well, I'm going to buy all these cheap properties. There, there's not really anything on the market to mm -hmm. sell. Mm -hmm. And what we are seeing on the market, it's uh, a state, a state sale or a renovation gone bad. Mm -hmm. Yep. Then, then typically a state sale is it's the tired property. Yep. So someone's got to come ready to do significant renovations. So that's one of the things that I'm looking for in this market. So I have, I have, um, cautious optimism for this market, for this market. So, so the way I describe it to people, if they ask me if, if if, if you guys are asking me, is I look at it in three phases. There's a short term, medium term and long term. So short term right now, it's it's not pretty. It is ugly. Cash flow has evaporated. Interest rates have gone up to try to fix it. It is, um, there's a lot of fear because a lot of people have never, haven't seen this and they're, so it's, a lot of people are saying they're going, I have no idea. Certainty is a very powerful human motivator and nobody is really certain about what's going on right, right now. Right. So when people are not certain or they're not feeling comfortable, what do they do? Nothing. And when you have a lot of people doing nothing, we're seeing exactly what's happening in the marketplace right now. Right. Um, realtors, businesses are, are getting pulverized. Oh, yeah. many, mortgage brokers are not getting any business coming yeah, through. Because volumes are way off. Exactly. So Short term, I'm concerned. I'm very concerned. Batten down the hatches. Do what you got to do to get through this. If you have some alligators, either, you know, get really clear on what's a cost versus an investment and get really clear on those numbers. 
right? And if you have to, if you have to get rid of a, a property, you or Disney Plus, get rid of it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Thank you, Christy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd much rather. I'd much rather they defund CBC and save us <laughs> billions of dollars and let the CBC try to make it on their own as its own viable business, yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to having every oh. Canadian cancel their Disney Plus. But I, as you could probably tell, my leanings towards my sure. political views. They turn into another clickbait yeah. outlet. So it'd just be oh, yeah. vomit. Yeah. <laughs> So, so short term concern and got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, however, some people are just chomping at the bit right now. I had a couple conversations with people who are just rubbing their hands right now oh, yeah, on things. Yeah. They're, they're out there aggressively writing aggressive offers to trying to pick up some property. Some people that had left the market in Ontario are now starting to come back and take a look. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones that started implementing a strategy about 18 months ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they probably got into cash quite a while ago Mm -hmm. right now what i'm helping out a lot of my clients out in this marketplace is we sit there and we'll analyze the property and we'll take a look at it is okay line by line property by property you have a place does this property have uh like a big piece of land attached to it that you may be down the road when all the new density laws come in that you can put a a garden suite add two or three more units okay there's some huge upside value to it Mm -hmm. is it at market now or is it below market if it's below market you 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 know you can't raise the rents like one client came to mind was um they're six hundred dollars under rented on their place it's on a property Sounds like all my places yeah yes <laughs> and they can't get the rent up um you know the go figure two percent per year doesn't make up to six hundred dollars <laughs> is it two percent this year or what was it out here yeah something like that yeah. two i think two and a half two, off yeah, bc it, it was it was low twos yeah yeah was, here in ontario but i don't understand wasn't it supposed to be for inflation but isn't inflation running at like seven eight percent it's supposed to be based on cpi but it's nowhere close i guess it's not i yeah. guess it's based upon votes i guess <laughs> <laughs> so anyways we come back and we took a look at the property they it was kind of like a town homey kind of a co-op they can't they didn't have the land they couldn't add anything more to it they were right. under rented and it was already made, highest and best use yeah, no it was more, already it was yeah. already maximized yeah and they did very well with it to be honest it, it over the last Four years, it went up significantly in value, more right. than doubled. Right, they bought in twenty eighteen. They did pretty well. Yeah, they more than doubled. <laughs> right. So, so what? Sorry, their their investment or their property price? It's an investment property. Right. Oh, sorry, they're so, they're they they doubled oh, the their investment. Price, the, yes, purchase, purchase price, price doubled. doubled in that time. They're frame. doing okay. <laughs> yes, they've done very well. Now, six months ago, they could have probably done a little better. Yeah. But so we decided at the time was, so we, let's just play this like a game, like a game of chess, a game of cash flow is they've put it on the market to sell. They had to reprice it a couple times and based upon what they're going to get for it. And they'll, they now have two offers. And I think they, they accepted one. They're closing very soon. They're going to take the cash from that. They're going to pay off their principal residence mm-hmm. free and clear. So let's say their mortgage payment was 2000 bucks a month. They now have an after-tax savings of two thousand dollars cash flow per month. Yeah. And the main thing I made sure to find out is if you're paying off that mortgage, let's make sure we do it tax efficiently and contact Cherry and and I think they did so to just make sure they're doing it correctly. <laughs> is um, 
but make sure you have access to that money being readvanced in a line of credit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then what they're doing is they're taking that line of credit, which they now have that's upwards of four to six hundred thousand dollars to then go to another market that's at a bottom of a cycle that has a greater chance of cash flow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. And if they are really concerned that they need to have cash flow, I said, what, you guys have enough line of credit, you can come in all cash on your line of credit, just buy it outright. And then wait a year or two when interest rates potentially hopefully will come down again. We can, we'll talk about that if you'd like to. And then you can refinance it at that time and put a mortgage in place and bring it back into the line of credit. So you just have an interest only payment. For the for the next year or two, right? Mm. On that, it helps your cash flow if it's just interest only. Yeah, okay, which so, is what I'm doing on several mortgages. Yeah, so yeah. it's just um, it's just playing the game smartly, right? So that's example for most people. If you're sitting here and if you've owned a property in this marketplace for better part of three four years, you you're probably legitimately up three four hundred thousand dollars, depending on the property. Obviously, mm -hmm. you've done very well. Now, it was better and it's gone down. If you do need to sell a place, you probably have done okay. Now, where and, and where it gets to be a challenge, and this is the challenge that I faced at the time, is so let's say you bought said property, it went up $400,000 and you just kept sucking every dollar of equity out there, refi till you die program, and you just kept buying more and more and more at, at the peak, at the peak, at the peak, at the peak, and you took out all that equity, you sucked out all that equity and you bought at a peak. Now there's there's some problems there. And and how do I know that? I did that. That's what I was, that's what we were doing is our Alberta marketplace in 2006, seven and eight, the analogy I use, it went to Vegas and it went on a bender and it was growing 74% appreciations. And it was just going ridiculous amount of numbers. And what everybody was doing was just sucking every dollar of equity gain that was coming out of it, borrowing it, borrowing it all, and then putting it into another property at, a, at the peak. And all it did was the market took was just to take a little bit of a turn and there was an awful lot of people that, you know, the music game of musical chairs had stopped and there was no chair to sit down on. So. Yeah, there's no more capital left to raise. Yeah. Yeah. It all dried up. Kind of feels like right now. Uh, 100%. Now, I, I'm not trying to put the fear of panic into anybody. And I have a feeling as I was probably telling those mistakes that I made, um, I'm not making anybody wrong if that's what you did. Uh, because I did it and I coach people and I told, told people and I tell people to do that, but I've learned those lessons. That was 15 years ago. Right, right. So now I'm just a little more measured on the cavalier nature of using too much leverage at the same time. Like I'll give you an example. Um, old current coach versus previous coach, previous coach, Russ was, let's just go for it full on full board. You know, let's no matter what happens, we'll figure it out. The market will take care of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So I'm working with this young fellow out of Calgary and he's doing, he's on a second transaction and a second deal is a, uh, he, he wants to do a flip. And I said, I strongly encourage that. Let's do this. So he found a wholesaler, He's getting the property from the wholesaler. He analyzed the numbers. I analyzed them with him. He had the private lender, Calvert Home Mortgages, analyze the numbers as even a third party outsider analyzed. Numbers look good for a flip project. I said, okay, do me two more safety factors. If this property doesn't sell for what you can get, what's your bottom line? And let's say it goes into a loss situation. You can't sell it for what you would like to get. 
Are you able to refinance it with a tier one A lender, rent it out and hang on to it and would it cash flow? So he did the analysis and he found out that his, his fiance would then be able to get a mortgage and they would be able to rent it out and it would cash flow. Okay, check. Even I said, let's do one more risk mitigation. Is if you couldn't refinance, if your girlfriend couldn't get a mortgage, would you or your girlfriend be willing to move into it? Put your current, they each had separate places, put one of your places up on the rental market, have that cash flow, and would you move into it and live in there? And he said, absolutely, we would. So I said, now you have my blessing to go forward with this with this transaction. Sorry, for, for those, those, those listening, <laughs> Russell did the... Uh, the, the, the blessing, yes, the, <laughs> the hand signal for blessing. Yes. <laughs> and the reason why I gave my blessing fully is because he has three, three plans in place. Yeah. And, um, and, and I'm a firm believer in the more you have mitigation and the more training you do, the less you will probably have to do it. What is the old saying? It's like, you know, sweat more in training, bleed less in war. I guess that's maybe a butcher to an old, an old stoic philosophy saying, but, but the more you've done your homework in the, and have all these extra strategies, the less you will probably need that. So lo and behold, he puts the house up for sale after a four week renovation. Um, in the first two days they had an open house and I think they had an offer within a week and tomorrow the condition should be removed and he's getting, $5,000 less than his outrageous price that he was forecasting to get. Wow. So he's able to, and that's in Calgary, just as an FYI. So you can still make good money in Calgary. Right. And, and what he did at the same time when he was analyzing all the numbers, he, um, he looked at it and he's, you know, doing, he's financing it himself through his fiance and he's paying her the lender fee. He did a lot of his own um, um, general contracting because he's a project manager. Like, like I, I use the term, I hope we can swear on your, on your show here. You remember the movie, The Martian? When there was that old, a saying, Matt Damon is, Matt goes, Damon, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to science the shit out of this. <laughs> That's what he did is he literally, he's like, he's like the best Gantt charter I've ever seen. Like he, he's a project manager by trade. That's what he right. does. And he just literally had this thing line by line, who's doing what, yeah. what's doing. So he, he GC'd his own project. And he saved a lot of money there and just and subbed experience, everything else. Experience in construction? Nope. His, uh, sorry, he has experience in some building project management, but he's never, ever done any construction. Okay, okay. And then he did a few things himself, you know, just to, to do part of that. And he's going to do very well. I bet after it's all said and done, he'll net out in anywhere between 20 and 30 grand. Fantastic. Yeah. In, in a four week plus four, eight, 10 weeks. Right. Right. So, so the point I was trying to get to was current older coach Russell made sure that we had a lot of risk mitigation in place before really pulling the trigger coach 15 years ago would have just said, you know, hell bent on election. Let's just do it and figure it out. And, right, right. and, and, you know, sometimes it, it'll, it'll work out, but at the same time, it can what be a it lot doesn't. less, it can be a lot less painful. Yeah. Right. Cause for example, I actually have a DM one, one gentleman who paid 12,000 for coaching he lost 200 grand between three flips because he did not, I asked what happened. He said, I didn't properly plan my exits. And I'm like, didn't you review that with your coach? No. no. <laughs> well, I, well, on two hands, on, on, it always takes two to dance. So, you know, I'm not ever blame anybody, but at the same time, if you are paying for a service and you're not getting the service, you have to be very adamant to make sure you're getting mm -hmm. what you paid for. Right, right, right. And on one hand, right. 
but on the same time as as a coach i you know it's a little black eye in the coaching industry if you're not oh. able to give advice to that's what you that's your job as a coach is to be the to be that sounding board for the enthusiasm because a lot of this people let's put it this way when somebody enters into a coaching relationship as they're being coached they're a high performer already right they they usually don't need motivation they're already motivated what they just need is they need the guidance and they need to be pointed in the right direction and they need to know if they're going to be stepping on a landmine in advance and that's really what the coach needs to do is they need to really help them not step on those landmines i'll give you an example someone we both know very well mr joe costanza been on your podcast many times he and i have worked together for a couple years now and um I've been a sounding board for him many, many times. And some of the times he comes, he goes, Russ, he goes, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Okay, well, let's talk, talk me through it. Walk me through it. He's having a conversation. How do I handle the conversation with mom and dad? It's going down. And I was just out at his project out in Hamilton, um, which you're very well aware of. Tammy, I think, was helped instrument that too. And we just walked through the numbers and it's a rock solid deal. Even though a year ago, the cash flow would have been a thousand dollars, and now it'll be four hundred or six hundred. Oh, poor. Right? <laughs> what but, was Joe? <laughs> but exactly. Like, but still, isn't that isn't that much better than starting at four hundred? Now it's negative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just having that sounding board of somebody who's been in the trenches and that's there with you. And one of the hardest jobs I have as a coach is to um, take somebody who's operating at a high level already and even get more out of them. Like that's that's difficult to do. And you you know what it's like. You have lots of coaches in many respects. And Marianne, is, does she, you, she's still a coach. To get you who operate at a high performing level already to get even more out of you is, is a lot of, it's, it's hard work, right? Yeah, part of it's just trying to work smarter than, versus harder. This is true. Right. Yeah. Like, if we, like I'm going to work hard no matter what. Might as well. Like, where should we work hard? Correct. Right. So that's that's what we're, you know. Again, that's what we're trying to do for next year. Yeah. And <laughs> and and what happened over the last three years is um what I would call the rise of the people that did stuff turned coaching. Many of the the coaches that are probably out there, um, don't get me wrong. I've probably taken lots of action, and they've taken lots of um, and they bought lots of properties. And maybe their intention was a little differently because I've I've talked to a few and their intentions were to take lots of action, put a group of people together, become their coach, and then sell properties to that to that group. Mm-hmm. Like that's that coaching mo- that model is as old as time itself, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I've done it myself mm-hmm. from from time to time. I, I've stopped doing that probably oh, within. Sorry, the just pause you there, Russell. Yeah. Uh, that that to me that has to be the model sorry not has to be i, I actually was uh someone i know who's a cousin of a good friend of mine yep. was raising capital directly to their phone on instagram right so the you know instagram live or whatever whatever yep. recorded video i'm looking to raise capital for this project i got going i messaged i dm'd him and said dude please run that by your lawyer yeah right he's, he's yeah he's directly raising capital from instagram yeah social media publicly Right, he says, please run that through your through your through your lawyer. He goes, what did I do wrong? And he goes, well, ask your lawyer. <laughs> and I then he says, what should I do different? I said, 
offer coaching instead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I said, that's what everyone else is doing. They offer yeah. coaching, yeah. which is not a security. Yeah. So you're not violating the securities commission, violating the securities law. And then you sell them, then you sell them, then you sell them on raising capital. Yeah. He goes, oh, that's why everyone's selling coaching. And like, yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I believe that intention has gotten a little, a little off. Like if you're going to be a coach, coach and be there for that person, don't, don't coach somebody to have a group of people to sell them properties mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. of your investments. But that's the reality of things right now. Yeah. Lots so, of them, lots of them, not all of them, but yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. A coach is, is a, in service for the client to help get the best out of them, not to sell them more stuff. That's my personal philosophy. Um, as a matter of fact, I've actually taken the opposite approach and here's the opposite I've, I've taken with it is, um, if I've done a good job of coaching, and how I measure if I've done a good job of coaching is their accomplishments will far outweigh anything I've ever done. And as a matter of fact, they're probably a better real estate investor than I am. And I want to, and one of the things I'm weak at is the operations of a business. I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm good. I'm a good ideas, vision, promotion, um, inspiration, raising communication, capital. raising capital. I'm good yeah. at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not that great on, I don't have a, a cherry. Right. <laughs> That's the really the operator right. of the business. Right. And oh, so and just, uh, there's a big, big difference between yeah. like Tim Cook and yeah. Steve Jobs. Correct. Right. Yep. That's, and in my opinion, Apple would not be as successful as it is without, without uh, Steve Wozniak, for yes. example, you need, you need someone that can execute. Yes. Right. You need someone who can sell as yes. well. Yep. Right. So yeah, everybody's, two jobs. everybody's got their role on the team. Yeah. Right. And so I, I've identified that. And then so what I what I'm then identify with the people that I'm coaching. And if I've done a really good job of coaching them and they're fantastic business, I want to identify the amazing business operators. I want to identify the amazing people mm -hmm. that have these wonderful projects, probably better than my projects in some cases. Mm -hmm. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, as the, I'm going to bring capital and invest in their project. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. Today, I would like to share with you a lender update that you will benefit from as a real estate investor, especially during these times where interest rates are higher. HSBC is one of Canada's largest banks and is now a player in the mortgage broker channel and is an available lender to a few select brokers, including Streetwise Mortgages. As a lender, HSBC is worth taking note of as a real estate investor for many reasons. Number one, they are investor friendly. They actually offer rentals in a holding company and the due lines of credits on rental properties. Number two, they are okay with investors who have larger portfolios up to 12 properties and they will finance up to five properties for you. Number three, they use what's called an 80% rental add back, meaning they will take 80% of the rental income on your rental properties and add it as income on your mortgage application. This obviously helps your deal from a number standpoint and helps with qualification. 
Several lenders on the street today take 50% of the rental income. So HSBC takes 80%. Number four, if you have a secured line of credit with another financial institution, they will only factor the balance on that line of credit and not the limit. This is actually a big one. Several lenders on the street um, will take the line of credit limit. Let's say you have a line of credit for $200,000, a secured line of credit, and you only used $50,000 of that secured line of credit. Some lenders on the street will assume that you have used the entire $200,000 and they will factor a payment at higher rates and shorter amortizations to account for on the mortgage application where HSBC will only take into consideration what you have actually used. This is a big one as it can quickly eat into the numbers on a mortgage application. Number five, HSBC is known to be one of the lowest rate players on the market. They are offering great rates on both primary residences and rental properties. So depending on the rate you currently have, this can lower your monthly payment and can also save you on your annual interest payments. And lastly, HSBC's variable rate product is a product where your monthly payment stays stable. It stays fixed as prime changes. And when prime goes up, more of that payment goes towards interest versus principal where the payment stays stable. So this will give you the peace of mind that your payment will stay stable for quite some time. And if prime goes down in 2024, which is what the market foresees happening in 2024, you will benefit from the rate reductions at that point. Right now, HSBC is also offering a cash back bonus up to $5,000 for clients who are looking to switch their mortgages from other financial institutions, whether it's a rental property or a primary residence. As long as the mortgage application goes into the system by February 24 of 2023 and the deal closes within 120 days. So if you're looking to explore better options, better rate options to save or to reduce cash flow pressures, whether it's on your primary residence or a rental, uh, and you're looking to position yourself to benefit from future rate reductions, but also have the peace of mind that your payments are not going to go up, then HSBC may be a great option for you right now. In order to explore this option and to discuss the suitability, uh, book a short discovery call with one of our senior advisors at Streetwise Mortgages by emailing us at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to our website at streetwisemortgages.com and contact us. Like case in point on when I was going to, I'm going down into the States, just dipping my toe into the, the Texas market a little bit. Um, so I've aligned with somebody who I coached long time ago 
trained him, not one-on-one, but through when the days in rain. And he, I just saw what he's done. He's just doing phenomenal. He's got a brilliant business model and he's just doing phenomenal. He sold a good portion of his portfolio out of, uh, out of British Columbia. He's moved his family down into Texas and he walked me through the- Austin? The, Austin. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. If it's a Canadian, Texas, it's usually Austin. Well, it's, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, call, I call it, it's, well, maybe the, the Americans would call it, I call it the Alberta of, of the US. Ah. <laughs> but the Americans would probably call Alberta as Texas of Canada. Texas I guess. Of Canada. Yeah, that's what I call it. It's, it's almost identical. Like, honest to goodness, with what's going on, same thing. Um, low taxes, no land transfer taxes, yeah. money flowing in, people making good money, you know, people, uh, lots of infrastructure being spent, corporations yeah. actually hiring people, lots of stuff. So what I've done is I've identified those projects. And what I'm doing is I'm bringing capital to invest into those projects. So I'm, as the coach, investing into their projects, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the way it should be, as opposed to the other way around. And, and don't get me wrong, I've, like I said, I haven't had a coaching client, I haven't offered us up one of my projects to a coaching client for, for probably about four or five years at least. And, but I did before that, and it was a model, and I probably taught the model, to be honest. And probably people just, <laughs> learn that type thing. And it is a very good model, but it, it always does come down to the intention of that. If your intention is to just make sure you put good people together with good projects and do mm-hmm. whatever it takes to make sure it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always, that's unfortunately, yeah. sometimes yeah. things go sideways. Yeah. And we're seeing that now with uh, the mm-hmm. market can't save a lot of these projects that are being sold by coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the reality of things, you know, that's, and that's what market corrections do. They'll flush out the weak properties, yep. the foot weak deals, the weak hands. Yeah. So that's capitalism. Yeah. Right. So unfortunate. Uh, so awesome. I'd love to hear more about the Austin deal. But I, I, um, something we were talking about before we start start recording was two things. Two things. Well, before we forget, I want to get to the Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, Saskatoon rent to owns for small businesses. We'll get there. But before that. Uh, I asked you. I asked you an, uh, for an update on what you're doing in Edmonton because last time you were mm, here, you yep. talked about uh, you were doing duplexes before, uh, but then you you had since pivoted to townhouses, and now you've you've actually improved upon the model even further. <laughs> well, so so the model is still the same with its new construction. Yeah. Um, and we can get into it. There's a long reason why, and, and the reason why I came to that conclusion is I bought older deferred maintenance properties in bad areas with bad tenants. Condo fees as well. And I just, I took that in the shorts for many, many years. Um, Once I pivoted over to a brand new construction model, it was like a breath of fresh air. You get a completely different tenant profile than your maintenance bills. You get no phone calls, rents come in, they cash flow very nicely, the set it and forget it model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Warranties, stuff is warranty. New home warranty. You know, if you get a phone call and it's still under warranty, if the furnace went out, it's under warranty. It it costs you maybe $250 for the service call because you can't write it off. But if there's something that was wrong with it, they fix it for free. Right. right, Just all all kinds of things like that. So what we've pivoted from a little bit is um, because here's what's happening in Edmonton is um, Edmonton is now densifying a lot more. It's uh, it's taking. older houses and you potentially can knock down an old house on a large lot and build three side-by-side townhomes with suites. So where there was one, there's now six. Right, right, right. And um, 
so you're seeing lots of those kind of things. Um, and I'll give you an example. Sweet. Yeah, I'll give you <laughs> with some numbers. Now I might not get all the numbers correct. This is just one of my clients, and we just shot a video out on on site on doing this. So he bought a, a house in Edmonton, inner city, like right off of the GO train is going to be like, you know, within a thousand a thousand meters, within a kilometer, or not the GO train that's out here. There's the the Edmonton transportation new stations coming in. Bought a house for three and change. Okay. For a house with a large lot. Like how large? Like 175 foot wide? Yeah. Okay. Enough to put three townhomes on it. Right. right? With the detached garages in the back. So, oh, wow. So big. Like, so knocking down the house and he's building three townhomes side by each with suites, detached garages in the back and actually has approvals to put garden suites above the garages if he wanted to. He literally... <laughs> could have nine units where there was once one house. Um, chose not to put the the, the garage suites up yet because there was not enough, he, he felt there was not enough parking. Sometimes you, if you can do something, doesn't mean you should. Yeah, yeah. And there would be just too many people in that footprint, but he can do it and he can potentially do it down the road. So build costs on that's about 1.2 million and change. He'll be into it for, let's call it 155. It's appraised for one seven and change as a fully finished done. Then he's going to, during that process, he's going to do the MLI select program, mm -hmm. finance up to 95% loan to value, 50 year amortizations. So into it for one five for six units, brand new. And those will rent 33 per stack. So what are we talking? Just shy of nine, 10 grand a month. That's awesome. And that's at today's rental numbers. Right, right. In a year when the construction is done, I guarantee that'll be close to probably 11 to 12 grand. That's the way fantastic. the rents are going right now. So let's call it, let's just for conservative, let's say getting 10 grand per month in rental on a $1.5 million build. The value's at 175. And if he gets that 95% loan to value, 50 year amortization, the cash flow is going to be great. Yeah, yeah. And he could pull out every dollar plus. Yeah, that's a fantastic deal. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that do that. And, and so with my best business relationship in Edmonton, and I call him my partner because he's my partner in crime, is he, business partner. Yeah. Jason, yeah. Yeah. he finds those places, all those kind of deals all over the place. Love it. And I love a repeatable business. That, or I'll give you another example. Um, client out of uh, out of Saskatchewan, busy veterinarian. Um, he found we found him a eight unit townhome project, four in the front, four in the back, for three hundred thousand each. So eight three point two million. For a brand new townhome, he owns the entire project. He doesn't have to put condo fees into it, right? At 300 each, they rent for about 2,200 each, 2,200 times eight. What is that? 16, let's call it 17, 18 grand. Yeah, close to 18, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so he now controls the whole eight units. And then over time, the advice I gave him when I was talking to him originally is I, if I were you, what I would do is I'd hang on to that and just rent it out for seven years. And then from year seven to 10, I would start the process of selling them off individually right. one at a time. 
and be out of it by year 10. Before the maintenance. Before maintenance has to start kicking in yeah. and before you have to then start doing, um, you'd have to probably set up a strata after you after you sold 50% of them. Once you don't have 50% ownership of something, you have to set up a strata. Yeah, that's what you pay for coaching. Right, so, <laughs> so the advice, so he's just gonna, he's closed on it, he's owning it, it's gotten rented, fantastic tenant profile it's all 100% managed he's still operating his vet practice you know and he's just going to wait for 7 to 10 years and then he's going to sell them off buy by the buy by the yard sell by the foot yeah 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 and and with that one transaction buy so, buy wholesale sell yeah. retail yeah. and that one transaction just that one deal so at 3.2 million what is that they're into it for 400 thousand give or take three yeah three, three no it'd be more it's, what is that so what's 20 percent of three million would be 600 600 grand they're yeah. yeah. into it for 600 so with that one transaction gone through right to the end that could be their family's um pension plan which is one deal yeah fantastic right yeah. and he potentially doesn't have to buy any more if he doesn't want to yeah and he's just gonna pay it down and then sell it off in a marketplace that, in my opinion, is just starting its next growth cycle. I'm so talking about Edmonton. Edmonton, yeah. And so there's lots of just different opportunities like that. Like, mm -hmm. and then, you know, talking with Jason, one of the things we, we're always trying to just remove barriers for people, right? Remove barriers for people to get into properties. One of the biggest barrier right now is, you know, it's, I'm, I'm always honest with people and I tell, look, a year ago, these places that I'm gonna that I sh would show you would be anywhere between say four to six hundred dollars cash flow on a performer. Now they're like a hundred to negative two hundred, and especially then if you're financing your down payment, they're negative. They're mm -hmm. negative cash flow, right? If you're using your HELOC for down. If payment. you're using your HELOC for down for yeah. down payment, yes. Um, it, yeah, so yeah. I'm just honest about that. Mm -hmm. So so Jason and I are sitting there. Go well. How do we how do we solve problems? So one of the problems that we're looking to solve, and it's still early in the phase, like we're just testing it out right now. We've got all the approvals and he's got his brokerage on board with doing this and how to do it the proper way, like with all everything 100% documented, is we're looking to build property management fees for two years into the, into the, the purchase contract. So essentially you prepay your property management for two years. At closing, that money would be distributed to the property manager. You get a little bit of a discount because you're prepaying but you now have no property management for two years. So that's one thing. The second thing we're looking to do is to potentially go to the builders and say, look, if they have inventory, if they want to sell something, if they're motivated, instead of maybe giving a giant discount of $20,000 off the price, would you pay property taxes for the next two years? And they would do it as a holdback where they put in the account property taxes for the place for two years in the lawyer's trust account, which would be distributed. So if you had no uh, property management and no property uh, taxes for two years in that property. That property is now cash flowing for the next two years during this high interest rate environment. In two years, the interest rates are going to hopefully drop, which I think they will, but they might not, but it's bank and they will. Every forecast I'm seeing in a, you know 18 months to two years, they'll probably be lower. But also you have two years for rents to get up, right? And the way I've seen rents are going in Edmonton right now, rents are... Um, in my personal opinion, are significantly under-rented, even though they've gone up. And, and here's the example I would use. Um, out here in Hamilton, you guys call them duplexes. We call them houses with suites. 
Uh, I was just out there. So in, in Hamilton for a house with a suite, yeah, nicely appointed. It's, you know, it's not brand new. It's, you know, the typical 1950s, it's been renovated. You're getting anywhere between thirty-eight dollars to $4,000 for those kind of places now, mm-hmm. right? A bit more for it's renovated recently. Yes. Yeah. So let's, let's call it anywhere thirty-eight to forty-two mm-hmm. for the whole house mm-hmm. between the, the lower suite and the upper suite. In Edmonton, my brand new properties are now just pushing thirty-two, thirty-three hundred. dollars um, So in my personal opinion, and- Sorry, I, so that's your house with a suite? House with a suite okay, okay. between the upper and the lower. But it's brand new. Yes, brand new. Yeah, yeah. Are getting like thirty-two and change. Okay. Now I'm going to probably either defend Edmonton or, or Hamilton, but, but I, I look at those two markets very similar, Edmonton and Hamilton and very, and nobody can convince me that Hamilton should be an $800 premium to Edmonton in rents. I, I, I just, I can't see it. I just don't see it. Right. The one thing I do see is that there's rent controls and rent controls. Every rent control market is always higher priced in rents. Hmm. It, it without question, you will see that. Um, so I believe that Edmonton's just starting its rental increase run too. So if you buy in now, you have two years of property management paid and you have two years of property taxes prepaid. In a two years, your rents are up. You then take over the property management plus the property taxes plus with a lower interest rate and a higher rent, you're now cash flowing again and it's been maintained during this transition time. Right, right. And you got all the mortgage pay down. You got all the appreciate now. Oh, just pause you there, Russell. Yeah. This is first I've heard this. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love the creativity. I love, uh, and you're already getting this done. As long as the property appraises, banks that's, see everything. That's the biggest thing. Black is and just white. To make sure that the property has to appraise. Right, right. Right. But what, what we're just doing, and here's just some of the numbers we do. If you're buying a new property, many times the builder will give you, until recently, uh, the builders were, were offering like discounts. Like they would offer, you know, 10, 20, 30, depends on how many, like how motivated they were to sell. Those discounts went away uh, just recently because everybody, the market was hot. Right. The market's well, yeah, The population is growing yeah. in Alberta, is yeah. it not? Yeah, and the, absolutely. Yeah. Just had... Um, the last quarter, we just had, they added 42,000 people of inter, interprovincial migrant. That wasn't out of country or birth. That was just interprovincial. Right, right. So I was driving in from Sudbury today and I drove through Innisfail, <laughs> which is 37,000 on the sign. That would be like adding Innisfail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Innisfil. Yeah, Innisfil. Innisfil. That would be like adding Innisfil to Alberta in the last quarter. Yeah, in one and quarter. And that's been four in quarters in a row. Yeah. Right? So. It's probably been. The trend is likely going to stay that, like that busy, is it not? It it hasn't been slowing down, right? And um, you know, Edmonton. I'll say Edmonton has slowed. The sales have slowed a little bit, but but holy moly, um, could just be Calgary. It's Calgary has been like the darling of the country. Calgary is up nine percent year over year. Sales are up. Everything's yeah, yeah, yeah. up. And 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 I always use. And they, they've been they've had a really tough go. Yes, as well. I always that. use Calgary as what's going to happen to, into Edmonton six to 12 months from now. Mm. So I'm seeing all this growth. I'm seeing this happen. They just announced a couple of days ago of a, um, a, um, a half a billion dollar world's largest hydrogen plant that's going in just outside of Edmonton. And that's coming. And the other thing is, and it's funny. I thought everybody, I thought everybody always knows everything about Alberta, but uh, they just had, um, a $14 billion budget surplus 
on their budget. Surplus, 14 billion. So what the provincial government did is they- Send transfer payments to Ontario? Yeah, <laughs> that's after transfer payments to Ontario. It still had four. So what they've done is they've re-indexed all the income tax levels in Alberta. So what does that mean? It's fancy talk, meaning that people in Alberta will have more cash in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. They'll pay less in provincial sales and provincial income tax. Couple that with no PST. They're paying a, uh, less than a buck 40 a liter for gas. They're buying housing for a half the price. Half? In many respects. What's the average price of the house in Calgary? In, in Calgary, it's a little bit more. But in Edmonton... 600000 What is it? What's average in... And Calgary, you're you're probably four. You're probably five or five sixty six hundred thousand. Calgary, yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, and um, you know, I'll give you an example. It's real life. I have a property right now. I'm selling. One of my joint venture partners is wanting out. He turned eighty two. He just said, "Russ, enough's enough. I'm out. I don't want to do anymore." So no problem. So we put up. We put up our half. We have a half duplex. You know, the side by side common wall in between. Okay. Nice property. Yeah, we call them semis. Yeah. Yeah, okay. you call them semis. Yeah. It's 20 years old. It needs some paint. It's got the old, go figure, mushroom basket brown in there. Because we haven't painted it <laughs> for a while. Basket, oh my God, I haven't heard that in years. Old, old floor. <laughs> it needs paint and flooring, right? But it's, not, but it's, 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 it's actually a really nice property. It's $209,000. $210,000 for, for a semi. For sale. Damn. Right? And my partner's going, well, geez, will we get somebody? I go, well, you know it's called joe and i said joe i go it's 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 two hundred ten thousand dollars. like it's like <laughs> you know we're not asking you know something like that where i live at in vancouver and area minimum <laughs> is eight hundred thousand minimum <laughs> so you're getting you could buy four of them for the same price right and a, a good friend of mine like and there's so many people that are just you know two quick stories um, Edmonton is being known as, I think they call it a Zoom town a little bit because you can actually do your work from on Zoom nowadays. So you just go out and one of my clients goes out there and they've, they've bought a property with a garage suite. They lived in the garage suite. They work in tech. They can work anywhere in the world because most of their contracts are with large companies and they just do their work out there. They bought the garage suite. They live in the garage suite. They rent the house. They do that for a year. They do it into, then they move into another one. They've done it twice and they're going to do it three times over a course of three to four years where they will just move into the next property and they'll get, you know, residential financing. They, everything's 100% above board. They move into it. They live in it as a resident. They fully de declare it. And by the time they're done in Edmonton in four years, they'll have six, a six rental unit portfolio that they just moved in three houses. Fantastic. So one or another one, uh, um, mortgage broker. He was looking around and he was sitting there going, he goes, what can I buy around this area? Um, I can do my mortgage brokering business anywhere. He moved out just side of, outside of Edmonton as a, a five acre lot for less money than he would have been paying for one house in a subdivision with no land, no lot, no nothing. And he lives on this beautiful acreage, right? So there's that kind of stuff that's happening all day long. Mm -hmm. What's driving the cycle in, Al in Alberta? Right now, um, main thing is energy. It's commodities. Mm -hmm. Very bullish on commodities. And I'm, I'm very careful to say energy because um, that's what it is. It's, it's not oil and gas, by, but by and large, that's the bulk of it is oil and gas. However, Alberta is so quickly 
pivoting to renewables, to technology, to different things. Like I said, that that hydrogen plant is going to be the world's largest hydrogen facility. To power vehicles? I believe that's what it is. I think it, I'm not fully up on that, but if you look it up, I think there's a lot of people very big on hydrogen right now versus natural gases and oils and stuff like that, I believe. Down south, um, Lethbridge area, I have some clients down there that are just crushing it with um, Airbnb executive rentals. Um, quick story, so they, they buy house with suite, they tried, they did a long-term lease rental with a an Airbnb. Then they did very well. The next one they bought, they tried the opposite. They airbnb the upstairs and mm-hmm. straight rental the basement. Mm-hmm. They were doing very well. The next one they bought after that, they did the whole thing on um, Airbnb. And then they go, geez, it's just doing so well. So so meaning down there, lots of um, um, solar and wind is also going in at the same time. Now, those things are still small, but, yeah. but they're growing. And not only do I they- I pray that they work, <laughs> that they're efficient. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. They're worth the capital investment. Well. Because <laughs> it's not working so well for Europe. <laughs> for another debate. Um, well, Europe's our experiment. But, but, but see, we all can live without energy, I mean, but here's <laughs> without the oil and gas. <laughs> that I tell people is, in order to create those technologies, you need energy. Yeah. And that's what Alberta has. They have a safe, reliable, affordable energy source Mm -hmm. to be able to develop new energy sources. That's exactly what Norway is doing. Right. So it's it's going very well. Um, You know, I'm always optimistic with things, but I've I've seen the cycle and I've seen it being flat there for for better part of over a decade now. Mm -hmm. And I'm it's just starting to trend in the right direction. And I think the last time I was on your podcast, I think I shared my thesis about why Canada is a uh, should be a a world superpower. It has the seven things we need, right? We have food, fuel, fertilizer, forestry, freshwater, future tech, friendly family values, right? And um, and here's the analogy I use, which, and I think I shared this on the, uh, another podcast recently, and you're a hockey fan, are you? Sort of, right? Canada needs to just pick what we're good at. We're good at hockey. Yeah. And we're good, we have resources and we have commodities. Mm-hmm. Let's just, let's not sugarcoat it, but that's what we have. We mm-hmm. have to offer to the world. We have resources and we have commodities. Okay, um, so let's use a hockey versus economy analogy. So it would be like saying, okay, well, Canada, we want to be really good at basketball, <laughs> but we're not good at it. We uh, don't have, we're not good at basketball, yeah, but yeah. no, we're going to become a good basketball team. Or we can sit there and go, well, why don't we just be the best hockey team in the world? Let's get Canada together. Well, let's win. We want to win as a team. Right. And so if I was the coach of Team Canada, what would I do? I would sit there and I go, I look around my team in the in the in the dressing room and I'd sit there and I'd go, you know what? We got good stay-at-home defensemen, we got grinders in the corner, we got scorers, we got good wingers, we got backups for that in case people have. And but we got a superstar. We got Connor McDavid on our team. Connor McDavid is the you best. You had to choose an Edmonton player. He was actually, he played up in, in Sudbury too. Just, I was just up there and they were telling me, I go, do you guys know Connor? And they go, well, yeah, he played here. His girlfriend's from here, right? I go, well, then you definitely know. But you have the superstar. And I'm sitting there going, if I was the coach, I could coach this team one of two directions. I could coach this team and say, look, Connor, you're a superstar. 
I want you to play as hard as you can. I want you to be the best you can. I'm going to support you with everything around you for you to be the best. And I want you to elevate everybody's game around you up to the next level to be world class. That's one way to coach the team. Or the other way to coach the team would be to go to Connor and say, Connor, you know, you're playing a little too good lately. You know, you're Austin Matthews, you know, he's not, he's in a little slump right now. You're, you know, you're making him look bad. Could you just slow down a little bit right now? You know, don't, don't score too many goals, Connor. Right. So if we want to win as a team, why aren't we really playing to our strengths and why aren't we supporting our superstars to shine because the more our superstars shine, it lifts everybody up. And then there's other players like why isn't Ontario and they could very well be. Why isn't Ontario developing world-class nuclear energy? They have lots of room. You have lots of the, the water to do all this kind of stuff. There's We have all the uranium in the prairies to do that. Why aren't they becoming a world-class? Uh, or even just if it's not that and you don't like nuclear, you, why aren't they doing more hydro projects? Hydroelectric? Right? Like, yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Like. Yeah. Pick pick what we're good at and let's just do it. Let's Let's satisfy our own needs. And it just... As a, as a good capitalist Canadian, caring Canadian capitalist, it, it just breaks my heart when I see like countries like Germany coming over and say, uh, Canada, can you please give us a little natural gas to put in our furnaces? <laughs> for, put in some furnaces, yeah, for the next, for the winter. And then we just sit there, um, no, but, but look, we have some uh, windmills over here and some solar panels, by the way. We're not going to sell you any natural gas. Then you have to go to Russia to, to buy some resources to help heat your, heat your uh, furnaces. And now the Middle East. Yeah, that too. Like, those, just, those are very friendly people. It hurts my feelings to know that just we have something for sale and we are embarrassed to sell it. NIMBYs of a different type. <laughs> Anyone who wants to look it up, go look, go on Wikipedia, look at the Eastern Energy Pipeline. <laughs> well, you want to know something interesting. Now, this is just pure, really early. Um, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba are getting together to talk about and this is early negotiations, they're saying if there's not going to be a pipeline that's going to go all the way out to eastern Canada, if there's going to be blockades in Quebec or whatever. Ontario's guilty too, but yeah. Both of them. Yeah. If they're if they're going to put up roadblocks and not going to do it, between Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, they're actually proposing putting pipeline to Churchill and piping it to Churchill and then sending it out through through the through northern Manitoba. Interesting. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of things that they'll find a way in many ways. They're, they're very entrepreneurial in, the, in, in that case. Then the, then the agreement has to be then that the East doesn't get any, any of that money. Then. <laughs> Maybe. Right? I don't know. I, well, I believe now just way above my pay grade to be right. brutally honest, but I think all that jurisdiction, a lot of that stuff falls federally anyways. So there's going to be some pretty big, uh, pretty big lawsuits and things that they have to do anyways. But, but here's the thing what a is, joke this whole thing is. Well, let's, but let's think about this for a second. Um, you guys just had some fairly serious negotiations about teacher salaries and things out here yeah. in Ontario. And yeah. there's been a lot and of healthcare, healthcare, broke. everything. Yeah. If you want to pay your doctors more and if you want to pay your teachers more, which we have to, which we have to, let's, let's let Connor McDavid score more goals yeah. and let's get more. <laughs> and I don't think the, I don't think as Canadians, we would be upset if we 
as a country reap the benefits in one area mm-hmm. and we paid and helped bring get better world-class healthcare, world-class education, affordable housing and affordable food and affordable energy. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would complain about that in Canada. But you have to pay that that money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. I don't think the average voter is educated enough. Just like oil's bad, let's just not do it. Pay the teachers more, pay the pay the nurses more. Yeah, but who who's the <laughs> I, I would be very interested to find out who's that who the people that are the ones that are saying oil bad, if it's not maybe the lobbyists and people that for many, many years were paid an awful lot of money to make Canadian oil sands and Canadian energy to be the very bad thing out there. And if you actually really, if you really dive into it, it's some of the most environmentally sound, sensitive things. And I would stack up what Canada is doing for energy exploration and production against any jurisdiction in this world. And I would be very confident in saying that we're some of the most environmentally sensitive things out there. there there's someone who I follow quite regularly, um, Eric Nuttall. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he, legit. I've seen his stuff on Twitter. It's yeah. like, I'm just cautious if he's legit he's, or not. He's good. And, and he, he's very clear. And he says that, he, and he, he does a lot of ir- ironic sarcasm posts every once in a while. And talking about how they had to, they were doing this energy exploration for this pipeline and they had to move the moss because it had this certain type of frog on it that they had to relocate all this moss and all the frogs that were in it to another area. And they spent all these millions of dollars just to relocate these horned toad type of frogs that were very just native to that area. And that's the kind of things that we do. Like in many jurisdictions, they don't care. Like honest to goodness, they just sit there and they just bulldoze everything down and away we go, right? Europe's going to burn wood and coal to heat their homes. Yeah. We, or what about frogs? They send over they send over old wood pellets and chips to over there to burn it, to heat, and then they call it environmentally sensitive. Folks need to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're way off track. Yes. <laughs> I just, that's what I love about these conversations. You, you are, you're a very interesting guy, Erwin. I, I, you know. For example, there's an article yesterday in the Hamilton Spectator about uh, there's people who are upset about the height restrictions being removed on 30 story, right? Uh, for the first time ever, for the first time ever, I saw the term vertical sprawl. <laughs> You're about to spit. I know. <laughs> yeah, so I have that problem all the time. <laughs> vertical sprawl, hmm. and I think what what people need to understand is we either sprawl somewhere within urban boundary, or we spread outside the urban boundary, which includes green space, right? Green belt, yeah. right? So you make a decision. Where do you grow? Mm-hmm. Right? You want to grow up? You want to grow into yeah. into these areas that are environmentally sensitive. Yeah, that's. I, I was. I've been out here for the week, and I, I forgot. Like it's been three years since I've been here. I always. I always forget. Everybody always thinks this. This whole area is just. It's just wall to wall people. It's just big city everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Th- there's everything is so spread out, and there's just lots of green space, and there's lots of things. I I work with one of my clients down in the Niagara area. And uh, some wonderful opportunities out in that area. We were out, um, might get the names wrong, Port, Port, Port Coburn and Crystal Beach. And fun little project. Mm-hmm. They, t- they took a commercial old grocery store that had been vacant since the 50s. And they're turning it into a fourplex. Nice, nice. 
And once they're all done, everything's done over the phases, they'll be into it for about a million bucks total. And it'll rent for, give or take, I think it was just about 75 to 8,000 bucks a month. Fantastic. Yeah, so that's a good yield yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. And, and converting existing space that's not being used into housing. 100%. And they were very like, the, the city was like, really? You, you want to take that building? Cool. And I was, I was joking. I called it, uh, I said, his name's John. I said, John, you got to give this project a name. He goes, well, we just call it Davy Street. And I go, well, come on, you got to have a better name than that. And, and when he took me through, he showed me the old meat lockers and all this because it was an old grocery store. And I said, this is the meat locker, right? Gotta, that's what you got to call this one. It's the meat locker. Like as the unit? It's the whole project, <laughs> the meat locker. <laughs> Sometimes you have to give projects a name because it's fun. Internal name. Internal I, I, I name, yes. <laughs> yeah, you would put a, <laughs> a big sign on the front. Welcome to the meat locker. Erwin, <laughs> we can't have fun here, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, this is, I'm a marketing guy. So like, I don't know how you market a rental called the meat locker. <laughs> I was uh, just sitting here, Erwin, and just, I f failed to mention, and I had to mention here, there's like sitting around with all this uh, hardware in your office yeah. here and these awards. You give some of them to me. These are some very hallowed ground that we're on here too. I'm very, I'm very honored to be able to um, have a friend like you. I'm very honored to, for you to <laughs> trust me enough with your 17 listeners to, to let me, you know, just have a place to share what's going on. And I just, I just wanted to thank you. Right. And, uh, and I've said this, I think I said this on Saturday that if there was, you know, more people like you and Cherry in this world, there'd be a lot fewer pro problems. Like you, you guys are good people. That's a, an old saying from Saskatchewan, use good people. And you guys are about as good as it gets. So I just wanted to just thank you. Thank you, yeah. Russell. Thank yeah. you, Russell. And thanks for coming on and sharing, sharing oh. what real talk. Yeah. Real talk. So what did you think of today's episode? Wasn't it nice? It was just a nice, calm, refreshing conversation amongst friends and, you know, friends that go back uh, many, many years. And we just had, uh, you know, our intention was to calm the waters. Our intention was to be, and I use this analogy a few times now, our intention was to be like that lighthouse, that lighthouse on the rocks that is in during a storm when there's a lot of fog and lots of turbulence and lots of things, lots of topsy-turvy things going on. I'm just trying to be that little bit of a guide in the storm for helping you navigate the waters ahead. And that was our intention. So hope you enjoyed this episode. And like I mentioned at the very, very beginning, eh, this is a busy day. Uh, I decided to, you know, do this recording and, and do the final tweaks to this right during on closing day. So, so lesson learned, Russ, uh, schedule your time a little bit better. With all that being said, I got some meetings lined up. I got a few things on the go. Um, it's going to be lots of uh, busy things over the next couple of days. But here's the point. The podcast is rolling. 2023 is in full swing. There's so many more amazing guests, so many more educational pieces. You're just, we're just getting started on the fire for the year. So if you're on this ride and you're as part of this podcast, first and foremost, I salute you. Secondly, I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for your time. Want to thank you for your trust. Want to thank you for your attention. Um, this is something I never take lightly. If you have listening listened to the podcast, you're listening to the end of this one. You've listened to multiple episodes. I am just truly honored and truly touched and truly blown away. Um, and from the bottom of my heart, I just wanted to thank you. Or again, all that being said, you know 
how we end each and every podcast. From the bottom of my heart, everybody, make sure you have every interaction you have with another person. You always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.